This episode is brought to you by the Italian Wine Academy, teaching WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English, right here in Verona, the home of the Italian Wine Podcast. Want to become part of the international wine sector? Need a worldwide recognized certification? Don't know where to start? You can easily complete our courses while you enjoy the fun and excitement of Verona. Make your vacation good value for money by adding a wine certificate to your souvenirs. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. Welcome to the Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps Podcast. In this episode, we will be looking at the Italy map. Ah, Italia, the most beautiful and most important wine country in the world. Okay, we are a little biased, but it is the world's largest producer of wine, producing wine in each of its 20 regions and making wine from the largest number of different grapes, nearly 400 and counting. Let us narrow our focus, however, to the important wine grapes, wine regions, and wine laws that define Italy. It is a long, narrow country, stretching nearly 800 miles, 1,200 kilometers, from the southern Alps into the Mediterranean Sea, nearly to the tip of Africa. Most of this long, thin country is never more than 75 miles from the water, which acts as a moderating influence of climate throughout the year. Most of the country is hilly or mountainous, and with only the plains of the Po River Valley through Veneto and the small peninsula of Puglia being truly flat and fertile. The mountain ranges of the Alps and Dolomites that define the northern border offer a protective barrier from the coldest of continental weather, although vineyards in these elevated northern areas experience a cool alpine climate. Another important topographical factor is the Apennine mountain range, which runs down the center of the peninsula and provides its own climatic influence. Unlike other wine regions of the world, where the oceanfront areas are the coolest, in Italy it is generally cooler the more inland you go as you rise in elevation. Geologically, Italy is part of the African tectonic plate, which is slowly moving northward into Europe, creating the Alps and Dolomites. The formation of the peninsula within the Mediterranean basin, by volcanoes and floods and upheavals over millions of years, has created a country that is the most diverse collection of soils in the world. These factors, along with thousands of years of cultivating grapevines into the viticulture we know today, has made Italy the world leader in types and overall amounts of wine. We will explore more thoroughly each of these regions and their unique geographic and climatic conditions, their terroirs, in this and subsequent lessons. But how do we sort and codify and understand all these wines? This has been a question the Italians have been working on since before there was an Italy. The Romans, and even the Etruscans and Greeks before them, studied and improved viticulture for hundreds of years. 
After the fall of Rome and the Dark Ages, the European Renaissance, beginning in Tuscany, sought to recapture that wine knowledge. And in 1716, the Tuscan Grand Duke issued an edict demarcating four wine regions, this first instance of this kind of wine law. By the late 19th century, special wines like Chianti and Brunello were already being recognized for creating their own guidelines for grapes and production to ensure a consistent and quality product. But the current wine laws that we know today are only enacted in the 1960s, modeled on the French system for defining wines from specific regions and the viticulture and techniques to make them, meaning grape yields, planting density, allowed grapes, aging, even minimum alcohol levels or sweet wine sugar levels. These are now the PDO laws, protected denomination of origin, or, in Italian, denominazione di origine protetta, that are the European Union standards for winemaking in all member countries. Italy started with its own DOC laws, denominazione di origine controllata, in 1963, as a way of defining and regulating wines from a fixed geographical boundary from specified grape varieties and production methods. Nearly all of these were created for wines that had historical significance or were commonly made in their regions. Smaller zones around municipalities, towns, farms, or even single vineyards. A stricter set of rules were also established for more specific and usually more important or elevated wines. The DOCG, Denominazione di Origine Controllata e Garantita, sets additional guidelines for the wines that apply for this status after at least 10 years of meeting DOC requirements. These wines are subjected to yearly tasting panels to ensure they meet the expectations for that type of wine. Not that they are necessarily good or bad. That's the guaranteed or guaranteed part. The entire DOC system is this way of offering some level of quality control and meeting the expectations of what a particular wine should taste like in the glass. It's typicity. With this being Italy, there are often a few too many options within the rules to guarantee absolute quality, or, in some cases, rules too stringent to allow winemakers the freedom of expression. For DOCG and many of DOC wines, an additional safeguard is the band of paper with a unique serial number placed on every bottle. This helps to reduce counterfeiting of the most expensive and popular wines, but also keeps production within the limits set by the DOC. If a winery has the vineyards to, say, make 10,000 bottles of a certain wine, it will receive no more than 10,000 ribbons for those bottles. There are two additional levels of wine quality within the PDO pyramid. The base level is for wines labeled as Vino di Tavola in Italy, which is table wine, or simply Vino. Like other countries of the EU, these wines are simply labeled as red wine of Italy or white wine of Spain, and only recently were allowed to list grape or vintage. Most of this is bulk wine, produced without having to adhere to stricter regulations like those of DOC wines. However, under the early DOC rules, if a winemaker chose to produce a very good, a particular wine, but outside of the confines of the DOC disciplinary's rules, say from an unapproved grape or with different aging, he had no choice but to label this special wine as simply Vino de Tavola. Many such producers in Tuscany were experimenting with international varietals or blends or single grape bottlings, and their expensive Tuscan table wines became known by the 1970s as Super Tuscans. A solution was finally established in 1992 as a fourth category, IGT, or Indicazione Geografica Tipica, now the Indicazione Geografica Partetta for the whole EU, IGP. IGT laws define stricter rules for viticulture and vinification than just vino, including the European standard of at least 85% for a wine labeled with a grape variety and grown in that designated area. So much of Italy's affordable, quality wine and still many of its most prestigious expensive bottles fall into this IGT category. 
There are a few additional label terms that are important to know for Italian wines. Reserva and Superiore, as established by individual DOCs, can be used when a wine meets higher alcohol and or longer aging requirements. Classico on a label refers to the historic center of production for a certain wine region, like Chianti Classico or Valpolicella Classico, where the original zone has expanded to the point where the newly included wines are not usually of the same caliber as the classic. There are 332 DOCs and 77 BOCGs as of this podcast, and that number can and will change. Many of these are of quite small production, and the laws of each consortio, group of wineries, usually include many different wines and styles. So the head of the DOC Federation once laughingly told me that no one person could ever know them all. But let's explore the most important of these and more as we tour the wine regions of Italy, roughly from north to south. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. The north of Italy is geographically defined by its mountains and valleys. The Alps of the northern border shelter from much of the coldest winter weather and hold heat from the warm summer southern winds, while mountain valleys such as Valdosta, northern Lombardy, and Alto Adige are definitely cool alpine. Most of the area has a moderate continental climate, cool to cold wet winters, warm to hot and often humid summers, with spring frost and summer hail real concerns in many vineyards. Besides the mountains, large lakes and long rivers are moderating influences in vineyard areas, and these combinations make for both high volumes of production and many high-quality wines as well. A couple of examples of Italian wines and how they are labeled. You will see wines named for the towns of their production, like Barolo or Suave. You must know that these are made from the grapes Nebbiolo and Garganaga, respectively. In the case of Barolo, the law requires 100% Nebbiolo, whereas for Suave, only 70% Garganaga and other local traditional grapes are allowed. If you see a wine label like Barbera d'Asti DOCG, that wine is the grape, Barbera, from D or D apostrophe, the town of Asti. This wine would have to be 85% of the label grape, but some DOCs have higher percentage limits. The famous Piedmonte native white grape Moscato is made most often in the sparkling sweet wines using the stainless steel tank fermentation method, invented by Italian Martinotti, but further patented by Frenchman Charmat. So that's the most common name. Here, the DOCG allows for fully sparkling, that's Spumante in Italian, as Asti DOCG, or lightly sparkling, Frizzante, as Moscato d'Asti DOCG. A Piemontese white wine, like Gavi DOCG, which is a lovely, pale, light-bodied wine, is made from 100% of the native grape Cortese. But if the wine comes from a smaller area directly around the town of Gavi, you'll often see it labeled as Gavi de Gavi. Don't worry, this will start to make a little more sense. Let's look at two other famous wines made from the same grape. Barolo and Barbaresco DOCGs are two wines both made from 100% Nebbiolo grown around those two neighboring towns in the rolling hills of southern Piemonte. But subtle differences in soil, elevation, and temperature variations have led to the laws for each being written differently to make for similar but unique wines. Because the Nebbiolo grape around Barolo tend to have more tannins and ripen later from the higher altitude of its hills, Barolo wines are required to age one year longer than the slightly lighter wines of Barbaresco. This additional aging in wood barrels adds even more tannin to the wine, so giving it a longer aging potential. However, Barbaresco wines can be more approachable at a younger age and less aggressive on the palate. 
while still giving the unique pleasure of a Nebbiolo wine. This is just one example of how studying and understanding these differences can help you make decisions on which wines you buy and drink. Some wines like these reward a little study to know how to spot potentially better quality. Suave and Lambrusco might be the best examples of a wine that lost its reputation because it was so successful. The town of Suave sits in the rolling foothills of northern central Benito. Its famous wine of full-bodied fruit and even hits of nuts became quite popular in export markets like the United States. Producers wanted to make and sell more wine, so the local consortium expanded the area of the DOC to include easy-to-farm, flat, fertile fields south of the hillsides. Hey, we know that flat and fertile is not the soil for quality wine, so the bulk of what we was so the bulk of what was produced became simple, flabby, uninteresting, and damaged the reputation of the Suave brand. So in 2002 was created the new Suave Superiore DOCG. New stricter rules for higher alcohol from riper grapes, harvested at much lower yields, to create a more complex wine and hopefully repair the reputation of these important wines. Likewise, Lambrusco became a popular sweet frizzante red wine in the United States especially, driven by one major corporate brand, and that came to define the entire category in the minds of consumers for decades. Only now are consumers starting to discover the diversity of the 10-plus Lambruski grapes that make wines from dry to sweet, from pale white to deepest purple. Two wines attempting to avoid the same fate of success, leading to overproduction, are Pinot Grigio and Prosecco. The former, a generally light-bodied, easy-to-drink white, destined for export markets. The latter, a fruity, sparkling wine made mostly from the native Glera grape, again in the Martinotti tank method. There are excellent, complex examples of both wines from the traditional home vineyards, like the high alpine vineyards of Alto Adige and the rolling hills of Friuli for Pinot Grigio, or the impossibly steep vineyards of Valdobbiadne for Prosecco. But most of the production comes from the plains of Veneto and Friuli and Trento and are beginning to define Italian white wine to the world as light, simple, and cheap. The DOCs of both wines have made recent moves to lower production levels, increase quality, and hopefully appease consumer demand while maintaining better reputations. As we move into central Italy, we first start with the most planted grape and its benchmark wine, Sangiovese and Chianti. Perhaps no wine or its grape better defines Italy in the minds of travelers quite like Chianti and Sangiovese. As we enter central Italy, starting in Emilia Romagna, down through Tuscany, into Umbria, Marche, Abruzzo to the east, Lazio to the west, we find the heart of a Mediterranean climate. Mild springs, warm dry summers, moderate winters with only real snowfall occurring on the highest peaks of the Apennines. Only Umbria lacks a coastline, but even in these central hills, the Adriatic and Tyrrhenian seas are a moderating influence. This is the climate that Sangiovese loves. To fully ripen, it needs a long, warm, sunny growing season without being too hot or having too much rain. Poor, loose, well-sloped soils to allow for good drainage. With these factors in place, a good winemaker can turn Sangiovese into wines ranging from light, dry, and tart to big, firm, rich, and age-worthy. This is often the range you see, starting from Chianti to Chianti Classico to Classico Reserva to Brunello di Montalcino, a wine that gained its fame in the late 19th century for not being a traditional blend like Chianti, but made from an isolated clone of Sangiovese, the Brunello grape from Montalcino. But small vineyards of French varietals already existed in Tuscany at this time, and as winemakers continued to experiment, through the growing success of Super Tuscans in the 1970s, a new DOC was created in an area of Tuscany deemed perfect for these varietals. The Bulgari DOC sits on the warmer, sunnier coast of Tuscany, away from the cooling Chianti Hills, and here, the Cabernets, Merlot, Syrah are the main grapes, and the wines are some of the most expensive in Italy. But we cannot leave central Italy 
without tasting the other Mediterranean red grape, Montepulciano. Although it thrives up and down the Adriatic coast, the best wines come from Abruzzo. Some producers limit yields and use wood aging to make bigger wines, but the hallmark of Montepulciano is easy-drinking, lush red fruit, like warm Mediterranean sunshine in the glass. As we travel further down the peninsula, the climate indeed gets warmer, turning into hot Mediterranean along the coast and in much of the interior. Here, the summer sun bakes a little hotter, the sea breezes blow a little harder, and hardy red grapes dominate the vineyards. But the tall Apennines do contain some cool, sheltered valleys ideal for whites, especially in Campania, and Mount Etna in Sicily creates its own unique mesoclimate. Alianico is one of the stars here, a dark red grape that makes big, dry, perfumed wines that age for years. For easier-drinking reds, there is spicy, earthy Negromaro and juicy, tangy Primitivo, now known to be the same grape as American Zinfandel, both from Puglia, or fruity, tasty Nerodavola, the main red grape of Sicily. Most of these, along with the white Catarato grape of Sicily, were historically made in bulk and into a lake of cheap wine, but more recent investments and more modern winemaking have created many bottles of good quality and great value, not only in the southern boot, but all the way to the rugged corners of Sicily and Sardinia. Maybe the most interesting investments recently have been made in the vineyards on the high elevation slopes of Mount Etna. Small parcels of old gnarled vines of red grapes Norello Mascalese and Norello Cappuccio and the unique white grape Caracante are turning out wines of elegance and subtlety and complexity. Farming between the ancient and sometimes recent lava flows and up to 1,000 meters above sea level on an active volcano? That's what we call heroic winemaking. There are so many more wines and regions like this throughout Italy. So please join me in exploring them further with closer looks into the maps covering the northwest, northeast, central, and south of Italy. Arrivederci. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Italian Wine Academy, offering WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education right here in the heart of Verona. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Ching ching! I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.